0: Hey there fellow entrepreneurs, if you're tired of complicated domain management, I've got the solution for you, Hover.com. Hover makes registering and managing domains a breeze. Their clean interface and hassle-free experience will save you time and frustration. No upsells, no hidden fees, just straightforward domain services. Plus, Hover offers top-notch customer support. Make your life easier, head over to milwaukeemafia.com hover and simplify your jo- domain journey today.
1: You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.
0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. And Gavin, we have taken a long break <laughs> <laughs> from recording this podcast. So. Yes. But we are back now. So
1: Yeah, so people at home don't know that because they've... They get their regular episodes, so they you know, they can't tell the difference. But um we recorded a few episodes a while back and then we recorded our four part Birdo series and then that got bumped up. So then the ones that we recorded prior to that came after there were, but yeah. we actually recorded them much earlier. Yeah. So um I don't know. Have we recorded any in two months now? Probably not. Okay, so I, we
0: may have recorded Birdo in in June, right, right? But but I don't think we've recorded anything else okay. since then.
1: So yeah, so so
0: so yeah, we've been on quite a hiatus, but we're back. We're back, and, and Gavin's got some fresh notes for us. I do. So what do you got for us today?
1: All right. So this is a regular episode. We're going forward on our timeline. Our timeline is now up to November 1959. We're so close to To 1960. We're almost there.
0: (laughs) But he's got one more episode in 1959 before we get there, don't you? Uh, I do.
1: (laughs) I do. It's true. Uh, But so for this one, this is Rocco Ditello and Local 200. And if I'm saying Rocco's name wrong, I apologize as usual.
0: And what is the Local 200? You'll see.
1: On May 28th, 1935, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters granted a local union charter to Teamsters Local 200 of Milwaukee. So a local is an individual labor union. They're called locals. So the the Teamsters Union in Milwaukee is Local 200. And I'm sorry,
0: but I'm going to make you repeat what a teamster is just in case people have never I know we've talked about yeah. teamsters on multiple episodes but just for anybody that has not heard any of those episodes
1: Sure so traditionally a teamster was somebody who had a team of horses which is why it's called that and the team of horses would pull you know a sled or whatever they would haul things you know mm-hmm. coal ice wood whatever and so Somebody who had a team of horses was a teamster, and they would unionize, and they would have the teamster's union. Today, those people, the teamsters, would primarily be semi-truck drivers, but uh, it could be anyone. Uh, if if you were a garbage truck driver, any, any kind of a thing where you haul something, you would be called a teamster. And they could even go outside of that, technically, because sometimes you join a union that doesn't even make sense for what you're in. This is, we're going to go off tangent for just a second here. In Kohler, Wisconsin, for people who are familiar with Kohler, they're primarily known for like plumbing and making things like that. But the guys who work there are in the United Auto Workers Union. <laughs> they're, they're in the UAW. And I can tell you, Kohler is not known for making its automobiles. It's just not known for that. <laughs>
0: yes, it is definitely not.
1: But that is the union they are in. That's So really weird. Um, I don't know the history of that, why it worked out that way, but you don't always end up in the Union that makes the most sense. So Teamsters, generally speaking, are semi-truck drivers, but there's a number of other things that could fit in there.
0: So the term Teamster is still used today, then? Yes. Okay, interesting.
1: All right, so the, the Milwaukee Union forms in 1935. Already by 1937, um, they're going on their first major strike. A hundred members at the local, which is sizable for the 30s, go on strike and walk off their job at the Milwaukee Movers Association when the Milwaukee Movers Association refuses to meet with the union officials. Already they're using their power to try to get better wages and deals and that sort of thing. At some point along the way, Frank Raney joins the team as an official. I don't know how early on he's in there, but by 1953, he becomes the secretary treasurer. And again, I should clarify this, secretary treasurer is like the top job. You would think president would be like a top job, but secretary treasurer is actually like a really high thing.
0: Which makes sense, because you have probably control of all the money, I'm assuming. So
1: he's in by 1953. This guy already some significant mob connections. Not to stereotype, but it should be pointed out that uh, he was Italian. Uh, He changed his last name. His last name was closer to like Ranieri or Rainieri, Uh, so he just changed it to Ranny. But he was Italian. Um, He had been involved in the boxing clubs of the early days, the 40s and 50s, so he knew the mob guys through that. Yeah, he was successful. Already, by 1954, so a year after he's the head of the Milwaukee Teamsters, he purchases the White Gull Inn in Fish Creek up in Door County, which is a very nice resort. Um, I have been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's still there today. It's been there since 1896. So it's been a resort Holy a long cow. time. Yeah. We're
0: in this is in Fish Creek, you Fish said? Creek, yeah. i to have to watch for it next Yeah, time. I, I went there for fish a
1: fish Creek. boil. <laughs> but... It's for people again, I'll, let's—I'll detour it again. There's going to be detours today. I'm sorry, but for people who don't know what a fish boil is, it's <laughs> literally what it sounds like. Like they make like this big bonfire, and they get like this uh, giant, huge kettle of fish, and then it goes like boom, and, it, and then it, it <laughs> bubbles up over the top, and then that's how they, the fish is cooked. We um, are really getting off topic I know. on these podcasts today. <laughs> I know, but I, for people who have never been to Door County, they might not know what a fish, fish boil is. And it's really something to watch. Like it's You watch them because Anyway. Okay, so 1956, they end up getting in a dispute with a neighboring Teamsters Union, one that's over closer to Waukesha County, and they're saying, okay, you guys are moving in our territory, you're moving in our territory, which really shouldn't matter. I mean, the Teamster's a Teamster, but... You know, you want the guys on your roll, so they're paying in, that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this has to go to dispute all the way up to the top. And at the top, on the national level, is Jimmy Hoffa. And Jimmy Hoffa likes the guys in Milwaukee, so he says, Screw you, Waukesha guys. <laughs> and and the disputed territory goes to Milwaukee. which makes them even a stronger union than they already were. I could go off on tangent about Hoffa, but I don't think we need to do that. <laughs> we need
0: to do that? No, we've done that before, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So...
1: If you don't know who Jimmy Hoffa is, I'm sorry. (laughs) September 1959. An editorial runs in the Capital Times, which is a Madison newspaper, concerning rebels in the Teamsters trying to disrupt the leadership of Jimmy Hoffa. They mention that the latest issue of Wisconsin Teamster Magazine, which I am not a subscriber of... (laughs) But he would love to be. But I'd love to be. Uh, A request went out for funds to support Hoffa against these rebels trying to unseat him. Frank Ranney, the head of Local 200, as well as the Teamster Joint Council 39, which is like the step up where a number of different unions would, would meet to discuss regional things. He was a strong Hoffa supporter, and he was pushing for the fundraiser. The article said that Local 200 had so far raised $500, which doesn't sound like very much, (laughs) and much more was needed. The Cap Times editorial spoke in favor of these unidentified rebels, saying that with Hoffa in charge, the union had become a target of anti-labor legislation, and his leadership was hurting the movement. They also suggested that a large amount of Teamster money was probably going to help Hoffa in his various legal troubles. So, you know, paying into this fund is... Not really for a good reason. <laughs> and yeah, seriously, like already at this point, Hoff is already by the 50s, he's just known as like this corrupt guy. Dying. Rocco Ditello, finally, I don't know, we're 20 minutes in or something.
0: <laughs> no, we're only 10 minutes in, okay. so you're good. <laughs> okay. 10 minutes in, we're to our guy.
1: Rocco Ditello, he's 35. He's shot in the chest at 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, November 14th. 1959, while well, hunting in the woods by the Flambeau River, seven miles north of Phillips in Price County. Um, I don't really know where any of that is. I know where. I used to go to Phillips all the time. It's okay. a terrible place. Okay, I mean this, <laughs> I know this is like up in the North Woods, but yeah. I, don't, I don't really know specifically how to explain where that is.
0: I can tell you, you have to go through Tomahawk to get there and it's really far from Tomahawk. It's okay. like still another hour. If, uh, if that helps anybody... So <laughs>
1: so it's way up north.: Yeah, okay. After being shot, he's found by his 13-year-old son, Rocco Jr., who was about 75 yards away. Next on the scene was a man named Fusili, who was probably the shooter. Eight others were in the hunting party. An investigation was conducted by under Sheriff Andrew Pilch, a DNR. warden, a Price County coroner, and so forth. The shooter's gun was taken away compared to the slug found at DeTello, and returned to its owner. The death was ruled an accidental death due to a stray bullet. The police report, at least currently, is one page long. Uh, I requested this uh, not that long ago, uh, specifically for this podcast, and they sent me one page. And frankly, I was shocked that they had it at all because um, it's like an accidental death in 1959. I thought that was <laughs> weird. I thought that was in the trash for sure. But, <laughs> but they actually had it, and they scanned it and sent it to me. And although they quickly determined it's an accident, the first officer on the scene already says, yeah, this is an accident. Um, I'm wondering what more material was in the police file. I don't believe it was originally one page. Um, the reason I I believe that is, first of all, one page is very short. But second of all, this guy named Facili who is identified as probably the guy who shot him, doesn't even have a first name in the report. It says, like, oh, the first guy scene was Facility. And I would at least think they would have written somewhere, somewhere. In there what his name is and how to get a hold of this guy.
0: Yeah, like, the first time probably
1: they write it, they write out
0: his full name. And yeah. then after that, they just cite his last name or whatever.
1: Yeah, so. because even if... Even if, you know, it's always thought to be an accident, nothing suspicious ever happened. Maybe at least for insurance reasons or something. <laughs> you, you know, you'd want to know the guy's name. But anyway, so that's that's the police report. Very cut and dry there. Uh, Ditello was from Milwaukee was a member of Teamster's Local 200. Strangely enough, he had gathered over 750 signatures from members who wanted a new local. He thought the current one was corrupt. Later rumors said the death was not an accident and was used to silence his dissent, but this cannot be confirmed. The rumors further say that Ditello was Frank Ranney's arch enemy and that someone else came into some money after Ditello's death, suggesting that was the shooter. But these claims were not brought to the FBI's attention for 15 years. (laughs) Wow! This, This story came to my attention through the FBI file which I don't even remember whose FBI file it was. It's it's just some random file where this story comes up. And, you know, there was a newspaper article about it and obviously the the police report. But this is all very suspicious to me that the FBI report is like, oh, yeah, by the way, 15 years ago, this guy was trying to turn the union clean and he ended up getting shot. Uh, You know, so, like, it's presented as, like, we got to take out this guy. But I don't know. (laughs) Because anything like actually from the time period, the newspaper account and the police report and stuff, there's no hint of that in there. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. But it's like, I don't know. And And if this Fusilli guy is the shooter, I tried to find out who he was because it's not a very common name. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I found a couple guys who probably would have been, like, the right age. And, like, none of these guys are, like, remotely mob-connected. So, I don't know if, like, if this is true. Apparently, Frank Ranney had to pay some random guy Guy, hunting with this Teamster guy to shoot him accidentally in front of his son and... Yeah, this sounds very, very highly unlikely. Yeah, it's certainly not impossible, but
0: so this—I I don't know. So I, I must have missed this part. So the guy was the guy who apparently shot this guy was ac- accidentally shot him in front of his son.
1: Well, yeah, because because he gets shot, and then the first person who finds him is his son, who's seventy-five yards away. So not like I mean, not like, right like, there, not like point but, blank. Yeah, but you know he was they were all close enough that like i mean i guess you could fake an accident in the woods pretty easily but still like this is all very odd to me yeah i'm thinking that if you're you're a hired guy
0: to kill somebody you're not going to have your son with you well but you could and if it was if if they're like we need you to make sure this looks like an accident mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of a way to do it yeah i mean that takes the Trail off right away. That oh, my son was there. <laughs> I, of course, I'm not. I didn't intend to shoot him. Why would I shoot somebody in front of my son? Oh,
1: oh, 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 oh. So you got that. You got that backwards.
0: Oh, it was the guy that it got, was the guy shot. got
1: shot. the guy who got shots. Son. son. Oh,
0: yeah. oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: So then and that's just mean.
0: Yeah. Well, but that one I wouldn't put past to somebody. Sure. To do. Yeah. You know, because it's like you're there, and it's the right opportunity to shoot somebody. <laughs> yeah, you don't care if their son's there
1: yeah so, so like i going say it's not impossible but like so this, this is like an example where a lot of times these FBI files they'll be talking to people and the people will tell the FBI stories and I believe that most of the stories they tell are probably true but you'll get these random things where they'll tell a story and you know it's like not first hand mm-hmm. and it makes sense 15 years later they're telling this story and they're like oh yeah that makes sense like this guy he didn't like the union leadership the union leadership was corrupt yeah that's plausible but like it's there's nothing to back that up
0: yeah there's no evidence to state that that this wasn't completely accidental right so
1: it's like a lot of times when i'm going through these fbi files it's like these stray remarks i got to trace down these rumors and sometimes they pay off but a lot of times you find out that people will just say random crap they heard on the street and and it's not that it, again not that it's impossible it could have happened but it, there's nothing to back it up nobody it, nobody at the time seemed to think there was any suspicion
0: yeah and and i to add to that i would also think that if you're telling didn't you say the guy told the story was being told 15 years later right yeah and this this,
1: <laughs> this appeared in an FBI file 15 years So after the shooting, so
0: whoever's telling that could just be kind of adding things in Mm -hmm. that they just assume to be correct, but they're they don't know,
1: you know. Well, right. That's that's the thing. I mean, the shooting part is completely true, but then like the they were he was an arch enemy of the head of the team. I don't know that, That, and I have no idea because when I searched like at the time for articles. Like, this guy's not, like, going out calling a press conference saying, we got to change the leadership. Like, <laughs> but, yeah. like it, it's did he go around and collect signatures? That's entirely possible. But he wasn't, like, making a big scene about it. So, like, I've got nothing to even support this story, other than the fact that the shooting happened. So
0: left with one of these stories where, eh, could be mafia connected.
1: Yeah. Could not be. Yeah.
0: Could just be some dude accidentally shot some dude it
1: could be but i think it's i think it's important to have these stories in there because i I want people to know that just because somebody said something in a file it doesn't necessarily make it true there's a lot of nonsense in there and it's important to not immediately say oh yeah this is mob sometimes things just happen and
0: i think i'll pat you on the shoulder for Mm -hmm. this gavin because
1: i think it's really good that that
0: you take a story like this and you say well, it might be true; it might not be true. Rather than just spinning it into this glorious story of like, "Oh, look at all the crazy things the Milwaukee Mafia did." That's what, that's you know? what I'm saying. That's, yeah, that's
1: my point because I think I think somebody else would would see these stories and they would just assume, or they mm-hmm. would, or, they, or maybe they not even assume. Maybe they would just make it true because it's a better story. Story, yeah, yeah. But because um, Frank Raney, the head of the union, don't get me wrong, terrible guy. He's going to come up again because he's, like, the key guy who, like, gets the Teamsters' money into the mob's hands for all kinds of inappropriate things. So, Frank Randy sucks. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm not I'm not defending him. But I have nothing to back up. Him paying Thanks. some one random button. guy to shoot a guy on a hunting trip.
0: All right. Well, it, does that wrap this one up or you got a little bit more there? No. It looks like you got That's
1: it. pretty much it. I mean, just I wanted to mention that Frank Randy will come up again in our story because... He, he sucks. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much about it. Just I want to use this as an example that this is something that it's part of the stuff that comes up in the files and you can't take everything the file says as completely true. You you got to be like, if you're going to use this kind of information at all, you got to say, this person said this and mm-hmm. leave it at that. You don't just say, this happened. So So be careful. People out there, if you're writing history, true crime, whatever, be careful how you source things. Make sure that you are not implying something that you can't back up. up. Because if I actually said he paid a guy to shoot it and I used that FBI page as my source, that's a crap source. Mm-hmm. Because that isn't actually what it says. It says that somebody said that. I don't, and again, because the former names are blacked out, I don't even know who this guy is. I don't know if he was on that hunting trip. I don't know if he even met the guy. I have no idea who the source is for this.
0: And because his name is blacked out, that means he's still alive?
1: No, not necessarily. So, it means with, that with,
0: when when they wrote the file, he was still alive.
1: No, not even that. Like if if they designated it, so if they interview somebody, that they can make that public if the person has passed. Um, but if they designate somebody either an informant or a poten- oh, or a potential informant, they don't they, release that
0: they never they never release the, that name just nev- to they never they never do protect it, the person
1: they never do and it's and you know we've talked about that before, but like i've i've seen enough files that I probably shouldn't have seen that I know certain people who were informants and the informant number they had because like an FBI file has a specific number, they do the same thing with an informant. So they'll they'll index it under um the, the number for an informant is one thirty seven. Like most mafia things are, are ninety-two, which is which is racketeering. But informants are under one thirty seven. And I know who some people are by their one thirty seven number, but despite the fact that I know that number and I know they're dead, and I know they're an informant, they will never release that. that name yeah that I, is so crazy I, I i the only way i can get a release is if i file a lawsuit in federal court and i'm just, <laughs> just not, not gonna just do not it. that motivated <laughs>
0: <laughs> and probably in the end it would probably not get released anyways
1: maybe maybe not uh, it's I mean, it, it has happened
0: i'm sure it has happened but but uh i don't know an informant that's a that's a sensitive thing right there i would say it, right there's got to be a pretty good reason to reveal that identity right well so. i uh, yeah so yeah you're right sorry i don't quite think you're big en- big enough in your shoes yet gavin to
1: that's to not deem. even the that's not even the point <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with that <laughs> i think there's certain people you can make a good case for it being released like where it's there's a couple of guys where everybody knows they're an informant so it's like you're not really protecting protecting or, anything. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> At this point, just finish the story because we all know he's an informant. Right. Let us know like what. That's what. what you that's know what I'm too. saying.
1: I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned it a dozen times on here, but the the guy we know the most, the reason we know he's an informant, like beyond a doubt, is because he was killed for being an informant. <laughs> so, like he's not being protected. (laughs) Like, like that, that ship has sailed. We've, we've known that for a long time. (laughs) That's very true. So,
0: all right. Well, after a two month hiatus, I hope this was a good returning episode. And, Will we will not be back in the we will not hit the sixties next week or, or will we?
1: We've got one more nineteen fifty nine, one, one more, more episode, and it and it is, murder, so. it is a murder. It is a murder. It is a murder, and it's and it's not a maybe, maybe not. It is a, a firm
0: mur- murder. Yeah. <laughs> firm murder with firm Milwaukee ma- mafia ties. Yes. All right. Yes. Cool. So, all right, well, everybody stay tight for that episode. We'll be back in two weeks with that. And as always, we do have a Patreon, so please, 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 if you enjoy our podcast, jump over to MilwaukeeMafia.com, find that banner on the screen, click it, and subscribe to it.
1: Awesome content on there. Yeah, all kinds of extra behind-the-scenes stuff that you didn't know you wanted to know, but it's there. Yeah, and
0: Gavin's taking that Patreon off into all sorts of weird different places. Yeah, that's true. That <laughs> So you definitely should get on it and check it out. So, so again, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And as soon as you get signed up for that Milwaukee Mafia Patreon, you can get an
1: episode every week. And uh, am I correct in saying you unlock all the back episodes as well? Or is that not how that works?
0: Yeah, you'll have access to everything. Okay. That, that's yep. the way I understand it. If somebody... Somebody signs up for the Patreon and doesn't get access to all the episodes, please let me know because we would like you to have access yeah. to all of them. That, so but,
1: well my my point is is if you sign up now, you've got like a year's, year's worth, worth of, of content. content. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: all right, thanks again everybody and we'll see you in two weeks.
1: Alright, thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia Podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.